right. Hey, Crossroads, how's everybody doing today? Come on, let's get some excitement going here. Okay, well, I'm Mike. I am one of the pastors, and today we are going to continue with the Maybe This Christmas series. So um, we're going to talk, you know, we've been talking the last few weeks, actually, about Maybe this Christmas, instead of getting all focused on all the hype and the commercialism and all of that stuff at Christmas time, that maybe we could stop focusing on all the busyness and the stress, and instead, we can start focusing on some of those original Christmas gifts that God gave to us, like generosity and peace and hope and joy and family. And if you remember last week, we talked about peace. Our pastor Dwayne came and spoke about peace. And that is one of God's Christmas gifts to us, peace on earth and goodwill towards all people. That's the root of the Christian faith. Jesus is our Christmas gift. In fact, Jesus was born on Christmas, crucified on Good Friday, and resurrected on Easter Sunday to make peace between God and humankind. Or as we read in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, let's check this out, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We confidently and joyfully look forward. Now, if you would take out your outline, I would encourage you to follow along. It's there in your program because we're going to talk about confidently and joyfully looking forward. That's something that we call hope. So settle back just for a moment today and let's think about Christmas past. Do you remember Christmas past? You know, Bing Crosby was on the radio. Okay, maybe that's a little too far back. For some of us. Am I giving away my age? No, just kidding. Just kidding. So let's think about that. Does anybody here remember what it was like to be a kid on Christmas Eve? Can you remember that feeling? It was so exciting, right? It was so exciting. I think about Christmas Eve for me, and I was blessed that both of my grandparents were alive, and both sides, they were also alive. So on Christmas Eve, we got to go to, first we went to my abuela's house, and then we went to my nana's house, and we got to open the gifts and do all of that there. And then we came home. And how many of you remember trying to go to sleep on Christmas Eve? It was like early insomnia training for all of us. And they even, it was even in a song, right? Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow, you know, and they, they'll find it hard to sleep tonight. That's what they would sing. And it's true. Now, I understand that me as a child being unable to sleep because I had toys on the brain, like, am I going to get something, you know, Star Wars under the tree or whatever? You know, I understand that's not very spiritual, I get it, everybody. I get it. But let me say that I think that us having insomnia on Christmas Eve, it's kind of a great illustration of today's topic, hope. I think it's a great illustration because as we ask our first question today, and that question is, what is hope? I think we can look at the biblical answer that hope is a confident anticipation that good things will come. 
So at Christmas time, as we were dreaming about toys and so forth while we were trying to get to sleep on Christmas Eve, maybe we weren't thinking of spiritual things, but we did have a confident anticipation that good things will come. Of course, then it was all shattered when you opened up a pair of socks, but you get what I'm saying, right? So um, I think for us, our confident anticipation that good things are under the tree was just maybe a little picture of our confident anticipation of God's hope, which is so much more. It's so much more. Let me illustrate God's hope. This is a very famous passage. This is Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I do feel obligated every time I preach and this verse comes up. This is a fantastic verse because it teaches us about God's faithfulness. Understand, though, that this is a hope to the people of Israel who are in Babylonian captivity. So we've all got that, right? Just want to make sure we all understand that. This teaches us that God is in the business of giving us hope. So first we see hope as this confident anticipation that good things will come. Then I think something else the Bible teaches us is that hope is an anchor during the storms and trials of life. So think of, think of a big ship out there that's being tossed around by the waves, but an anchor can keep it steady. You know, in our lives, maybe you've seen this, maybe you've seen the, the jewelry that represents faith, hope, and love. Have you seen this before? And faith is the cross, hope is the anchor. And love, well, if, if you haven't seen this before, maybe, guys, this, maybe this is an idea for a Christmas present. I'm just saying. So faith, hope, and love. So we see that faith is represented by the cross, of course, love by the heart. But hope is represented by an anchor. And did you know that's biblical? In Hebrews 6.19, we read that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I like that. I like the sound of hope being something that secures our soul. It's firm. I also think, moving on, that hope is strength for our soul. Hope is strength for the soul. Let's go back to Romans 5. This is our primary passage today. The Bible teaches us that hope is reliable. It's built up by life's difficulties making us stronger. Now, can I ask you, Fremont campus, Hayward campus, Sometimes do you feel like life can be difficult? Every now and then we feel that, right? Well, that is us building up our hope muscles. And let's take a look at Romans 5, verses 4 through 5. Paul writes to the church in Rome, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Okay, so it's kind of like spiritual cardio. You know, you're on that crazy machine and that thing is building up your heart rate so that your muscle is stronger. Well, it's the same thing. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident what? Hope of salvation. So we go through, we endure, and that builds up our character and that strengthens our hope, our confident assurance. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So this hope that's being described here by the Apostle Paul is the hope of salvation. 
Now, this could be the Christmas gift that you came here today to receive. It could be that what you really need is the confident hope of salvation. Now, we here at Crossroads believe that the Bible teaches there's only one way to have that hope, and that's through a relationship with Jesus. That's why we say Jesus is a great Christmas gift, because he was born on Christmas, he died on the cross on Good Friday, but on Easter Sunday, he rose from the dead. And in doing so, he paid the price for all of our sins so that anyone who puts your faith in Jesus will have eternal life. That is the hope of salvation. Okay, last one we're going to look at here is that hope is a Christmas gift from God to us. Hope is a Christmas gift. You see, when you get a gift, it's not something that you've earned. That would just be a paycheck. When you get a gift, it's something that someone gave you without you having to do anything. All you do is receive it. That's a Christmas gift from God to us. We didn't deserve it. And yet we read in Romans 5, 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Will you underline Christ came at just the right time? He came at just the right time that Christmas night all those years ago. That's why we can have this hope in salvation. Now, I have to tell you that during the most trying times in my life, hope has been a recurring theme. Maybe it's this way for you too. I have to remember that my trust for a better future and ultimately eternity is in Jesus Christ. So hope becomes kind of a theme. I have several different uh, pictures of the word hope in my office. And I think this is why one of my all-time favorite movies is a movie called The Shawshank Redemption. How many of you remember that film? Okay. Did you know that if you go to the internet movie database, imdb.com, and you just type in greatest movies of all time, this is number one. Did you know that? It's got like an aggregate score of 9.3 stars. Sounds pretty scientific, doesn't it? <laughs> so I think this is why, though, because it didn't really do all that well at the box office. It did get some critical praise. And in fact, it was nominated for Best Picture of the Year way back in 1994. But it was nominated for Best Picture, but it lost to Forrest Gump. Aw. Two great movies. Two great movies. So this, this might even surprise you even more, but this movie is based on a story called Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption written by Stephen King. There you go. And yet when I think about it, I understand why this movie is so beloved, why it's had such a huge emotional impact on me, because it shows us that in the midst of great cruelty and injustice and despair, that there is this unyielding message of hope. In the movie, a man named Andy Dufresne has been wrongfully convicted of the murder of his wife. So he goes to this fictional prison called Shawshank, and there he meets these other inmates, including the man who becomes his best friend, Red, who's played by Morgan Freeman. And these men are without hope. Well, one day, Andy has sort of made it a project that he's going to build up the library in the prison. And so he keeps writing to the state government, and finally they say, shut up, leave us alone, and they send him a bunch of books, and also some albums and a record player. Well, one day one of the guards goes off to use the restroom, so Andy locks the door, and he gets on the prison intercom system, and he plays 
an opera record. And everybody in the, if you remember the movie, you remember the scene, everybody in the courtyard just stands and looks up. And these, these soaring operatic voices. And then, of course, Andy gets in trouble and he gets thrown into solitary confinement. He goes into the hole, they call it. So we're going to um, pick it up right here and we're going to get one of the movie's first messages. So let's take a look. Okay, so hope is a dangerous thing and hope can drive a man insane. That's what Red says. Now let's think about that. These men are in a prison. And in a sense, we all live in a prison of our own creation. In fact, let's take a minute today and look at hopelessness. Think about a time in your life when you lost hope. How did that feel? Mine's not too hard to remember. And more than anything, when I was going through this hopeless season, I remember thinking that my life was over. It didn't dawn on me that maybe it was just halftime. I felt like the clock was ticking out. The seconds were ticking away on the fourth quarter. And I think one of the reasons is that hopelessness brings despair. Hopelessness brings us despair. I was probably at the lowest point of my life about eight years ago. I was going through a divorce that I never had thought would, would happen. I had no desire. I had no plan. And so I really believed that that was it. That was the end of my story. And yet, someone very wise said to me, the game's not over. This is just halftime. Hopelessness can bring us despair. Hopelessness also paralyzes us. It paralyzes us when you're trapped in a place of hopelessness, like, like the prison that's just, that we see in the movie, that we feel this paralysis. And in Psalm 143, verse 4, the psalmist writes, I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. This is what hopelessness brings us despair and paralysis. And I believe that in our world today, there is a lot of hopelessness going around. So I want to challenge us all here today that maybe, maybe we have the antidote. And that is hope in Christ. Not just hope that maybe things will get a little better, but hope in Christ. Because the hope that comes from Christ brings us joy not temporary happiness that a Christmas present under the tree might bring us, but real joy that lasts. In Romans 15, Paul writes, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So in that passage, we see the word hope twice. First, God is the source of our hope. And second, he's going to fill us up with the power of his Holy Spirit so that we will overflow with confident hope. That's real joy. Hope also frees us from regret. And regret is just the worst. I'll talk about that in a minute, but regret is the worst. And this is what I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen. If you are here today and you have a lot of regret in your life, let me challenge you with this. When you come to Christ, you get a do-over. You get a do-over. 
In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we read that this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We get to start over with Jesus. So hope brings us joy. It frees us from regret. And hope motivates us. Let me give you some inspirational words, my friends. I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. If you've never heard that before, then I just made it up. (laughs) Not true at all. So, we read in Psalm 42, verses 10 and 11, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Our praising of God fills us up with hope and it motivates us to move forward so that when life knocks us down, we get up again. And finally, hope sets us free to believe in our future because that's one thing that hopelessness robs us of is belief that there is a future for us. And I want to tell you that if you're here today, that you have a future. This present pain that you might be going through is just a setback. It's a temporary setback. Now, you might be here with minor problems. You might be here with big problems. You might be here with health issues. But I want to tell you that God is bigger than all of that. And ultimately, eternal life is so much bigger than anything that you and I can experience here today. It's so much bigger. In Lamentations chapter 3, We read, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Can anybody relate to that? Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. So while we may be tempted that in the prison of this world that hope is a dangerous thing and can drive us insane, we learn, in fact, that through Christ the opposite is true. So let me illustrate through the film again. We're going to fast forward a little bit. So now, at this point in the movie, Andy is out of prison. He's now in a small fishing town in Mexico. And his friend Red has just been paroled. But before this, Andy had described a particular location near the prison where his friend might find some inspiration. So in this scene, we're going to find the most powerful, memorable line of the movie. Let's take a look. You see, even in the eyes of a broken world, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. And it's that hope in Christ that carries us to eternity through the power of his love for us. See, people want to feel hopeful. They want to feel hopeful even when they're surrounded with difficulty in their lives by failure and tragedy and pain. And as I was looking up scriptures and thinking about hope and faith, it's almost like hope and faith have this sort of chicken and the egg relationship. Which comes first? Okay, hope or faith? Well, As we read earlier in Romans 5, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance builds strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill us our hearts with love. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I want to confess to you as one of your pastors that I don't often rejoice and celebrate my suffering. Suffering may be noble for some, but I'm generally pretty strongly motivated to avoid pain at all costs. I don't like it. I'd rather not have to go through it. And when I'm suffering, building up endurance is not really what's on my mind. Now, I know that doesn't sound very spiritual, but at the height of my discomfort, when life looks the darkest, I'm not thinking, I'm going to have a new and improved character when I get out of this situation. All right, maybe you do, and I hope you can inspire me. But I understand what Paul is going for here in Romans. See, with the benefit of hindsight and God's wisdom, we're able to see how our experiences and our joys and sufferings have joined to form the core of who we are. We are better and stronger people for having endured difficulty, even, there, even though there's no way we buy that while we're in the middle of it. Okay, but we, we have to remember that in the midst of our suffering, when we're feeling that pain, that hanging on to the fact, this confident assurance in the future, that hope can help bring us through. And, and we need to remember that that's difficult too. And that's why I challenge all of us that we have to remember to be compassionate. We must offer God's real hope when others struggle. We have to offer God's real hope when others struggle. And I think maybe that's because hope, when it's lost, can be hard to gain again. And so when we're wounded or we've lost trust in other people, you know, these cliches and these convenient scriptures that people kind of toss around sometimes, a lot of times that can hurt more than it can help. What we have to do to offer hope is be willing to walk through life together when our friends and our loved ones are suffering. Remind them of God's love by demonstrating God's love. Now, I understand that maybe today you're here and you're in a place where you're not feeling too hopeful. I think some of us get hopeless for a lot of reasons. Some of us are wounded. Some of us are afraid of uncertainty that comes with the future. Some of us here probably struggle with clinical depression and we fight to hope every minute. Some of us magnify our failures and we become paralyzed with fear. And some of us can't find a good reason to be hopeful even though we're surrounded by good things. Some of us feel the pain of others so acutely that it actually causes us to despair. Some of us can't be content in any circumstances. We're always looking for the grass to be greener. And some of us struggle intensely with, I believe, with what I believe is the direct enemy of hope, and that's regret. Now think about it. Hope is looking positively to the future. Regret is looking negatively at the past. Hope pulls you forward with anticipation, while regret pulls you back with dread and makes you feel worthless. Regret is what makes people who should have it all miserable. It's poison to every minute of every day, and it's keeping us constantly wondering, what if, in a backwards, useless fashion. And being most honest, I have to tell you that I struggle with regret sometimes, but I think there's something that God put into each of us that helps us sustain hope and fight that regret. And that thing is significance. Significance comes from fulfilling God's 
promise or purpose rather for us. Significance comes from fulfilling God's purpose for us. Significance is the gift that God gives us which allows us to be content in humble circumstances so that we don't need a million dollars or the nicest car or the biggest TV. Significance gives us the satisfaction that we are in our niche making a difference in our own small way. Significance is what we derive when we've done an honest day's work in our calling, whether that's running a company or painting a picture or even just mopping a floor. Remember when Morgan Freeman was in Bruce Almighty? He said some of the happiest people on earth come home every day stinking to high heaven because they did their job and they did it well. That's significance. Significance is what keeps a person happy who left a high-paying job to move into a helping profession with low pay. It keeps a single mom satisfied, even though she's exhausted. It can even keep a minister content, even though Christians drive him crazy most of the time. Wait, did I say that out loud? Hang on. Significance keeps us pointed at our hopes and encourages us to work through our fears. And let me give you a demonstration of biblical significance. Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 4. We start in the second half of verse 11 and go to verse 13. Paul writes, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Okay, let's take a time out. Take a time out because I've, <laughs> I've used two verses tonight that are often misquoted. Okay, and Philippians 4.13 is one of those. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Sometimes we use that as an inspirational verse. Steph Curry puts it on his shoes. And we say, yes, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But that doesn't mean that you're going to jump off a cliff and grow wings. Okay. What Paul is writing here, what Paul is saying is that the secret to contentment, the secret to living when life is good and when life is not so good, is to remember that I can handle all of this as long as I rely on the strength that Jesus Christ gives me. That's what this passage means. It means that no matter the circumstances, no matter how challenging, no matter how difficult, it doesn't mean that God rescues us from those circumstances instantaneously. Otherwise, we would never have to go through pain. But what it does mean, God promises us, you can get through this because I give you the strength. I give you the strength through Jesus. So I want to challenge all of us to leave here today with a correct understanding of Philippians 4.13. When it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, maybe remind yourself what it means is that no matter how bad things get, Christ's strength will allow me to get through it because that's what it means. And so I think the basic message today is this. Maybe this Christmas... We can trust God to move our fears into hope. Because without hope, ah, oh, my friends, we are lost without hope. 
We have to do what's necessary to nurture that hope that's within us. We must break through the fear that prevents us from achieving God's plan for us. Because you see, it's not going to happen of our own strength. But we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. As we conclude, I'd like to offer you a meditation. For those with pain in your hearts, let God heal your spirit. For those who have experienced loss, let God fill you and make you whole. For those who have been betrayed, let God's love for you let you trust again. For those who have endured failure, let God give you the strength to try again and, if necessary, again. If you have joy, satisfaction, and peace in your heart, open it so others may share in it and benefit from God's gifts to you. Today, I challenge you as I challenge myself. Fremont, Hayward, make goals. That's a good thing. Have high expectations, but have high expectations not just for yourself, but for your relationship with God. Hope is not a dangerous thing. It's the lack of hope that is dangerous for our souls. Now, before we transition into the next part of our service, I want to close by showing you the final sequence of the movie. It's a beautiful picture of a man's personal journey as he realizes that his slate has also been wiped clean and that he has an opportunity to start over. Let's take a look. As you catch that, I hope it's like we're at the beginning of a long journey and the outcome is uncertain. And yet for us, the outcome is certain because we know it ends with God saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Just like the men in the movie, we can have hope and we can start over. I want us to consider that. Now, before we pray, I'd just like to say that for everyone who's here tonight that could use an extra dose of hope, I want to pray for you specifically tonight. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads just for a moment. And if you're in a place right now in life where you say, yes, I could use just a little bit more hope, just please raise your hand. No one looking around. Okay, let's pray together. Our Father, we come to you today asking you to increase our hope. May we put our trust in you, knowing that your hope is an anchor for our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.